Hey guys, Spears here. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Geeks with Kids, part two of two of our two-part saga. Not actually a saga. Um, we're going to pick up right where our last episode left off. Aaron was hosting. Um, Spears is the one who sounds like he's talking through a tin can. And James, the one with the silky smooth voice, is filling in for Eric who was away diligently caring for his family or seeing Kevin Smith at Niagara Comic-Con, uh, one or the other. When last we left our intrepid nerds, they were waxing nostalgic about the excellent G.I. Joe and Transformers-related comics of the 90s and celebrating Spears' excellent prudence in teaching his children to deny him selfish purchases at the store. Please to enjoy this week's episode of Geeks with Kids. Well, we, we, have a, we do have a phenomenon like that. Kind of when you want something, you can have something, you know, put it on your well, wish list. It's a very long list. Yeah. And that wish, ch- wish list will change. And, well, exactly. The We don't make the list while we're in the store. It's like if we get home and remember it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and then even even so, the, I've never add it to the wonder list. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. never written it down. Yeah, you know, though come you know come birthday or Christmas time, maybe I'll regret that. But then again, it changes. Like just like you say, like if yeah. I look at the things that he wanted those impulse at buys. Christmas time for his birthday, like a lot of them would be out the door. Well, yeah. even impulse buys. How many times do you go through and go, I need that movie, I need to buy that that DVD or that Blu-ray or that whatever. Yeah, and you look at your shelves and go. When's the last time I haven't even cracked the, the plastic on it? But I, <laughs> I needed totally to forgot buy it. I have DVDs and Blu-rays packed away in my basement somewhere. It's like there's just no time and anymore. And one day someone's going to open that up like we would a box of old vinyl. Yeah, vinyl I'm, records. I went through not even, vinyl anything else. <laughs> just just going through and, and and moving. I was trying to clean out one spare room and and uh, and, and move my comic book collection. Three truckloads. You know, and you know, twenty-one long boxes of comics. And I'm going, I've got to find a lighter hobby. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I I I worked up a sweat. You know, guys that are you know, that read comics and that and, and start collecting them. Yeah. You've got to be in shape to move that stuff. Uh, it's tough, man. It, and long bo- thing is, long boxes are not the way to go. I'm finding because with a long box, you get them bowing out in the middle. Yes. When you try to lift them. I've got one short box left. I sold uh, most of mine uh, a couple of years ago. I kept the um, the preciouses. <laughs> like I still have my fir- my fir- my first Spider-Man comics. I still have. They're worthless. They've been read to to practically nothing. I'm scared that if I open the box and take them out, they'll just crumble. Oh, yeah. um, I've got a thin stack of Generation One Marvel Transformers comics. Oh. And these were ones that I would read, like when we were driving to Florida, or like. I got two boxes of GI Joe that I bought from, like, and if I went to sell them now, I'd get like maybe twenty five cents a book, <laughs> or twenty five cents so a rough. box. If, uh, a lot of those have been reprinted by IDW. Yes, I know. <laughs> but I, I, I do have some. I've got Todd McFarlane's first book that he drew. And it was an issue, and it was the the issue that introduced Lieutenant Falcon, Law and Order, Fast Draw, Chuckles, and all those guys. And he drew it. It's just a little byline, hmm. artwork by Todd McFarlane. Huh. And that was his first Marvel book. That was the first book that he was commissioned to draw. And then he, that led to his Spider-Man stuff. Wow. 
Wow. And his first book, and it was like issue 50 or something of, of and it was oh, it was also the one where they introduced Monkey Wrench and Zan, Zanzibar from the Dreadnoughts. <laughs> oh, Hilarious. Wow. Yeah, and it was a bunch of guys that the issue is, is basically Lieutenant, or, or uh, uh, Commander Hawk is, is kidnapped by these rogue group of, of G.I. Joe guys that are basically like, are we actually on the team? We, we were told that we were protecting this stuff, and, and are we actually on the team? And eventually, at the end, he says, yeah, you guys are all on the team. But they were some, they were working for somebody else, telling them that they were part of G.I. Joe. You can't say anything. Hmm. You're working for G.I. Joe. And that's how they introduced five new characters that just happened to be characters that were coming out in the you know, you know, figure form at the time, too. Cool. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that was Larry Hama wrote most of that, and yeah. it was... Some of those issues were quite, quite good. Well, you get into some of the stuff, like the, the issues with... And, and it's great because you're going through the box and you're going... You forgot about the issues where Stalker and... It was a Stalker snow job and somebody else... <laughs> Let's just live in that name for a minute. Snow, snow job. Snow job <laughs> they had to know. But, but they, they were they were soldiers and they were caught behind enemy lines doing a covert mission. And then it's the group you know basically they're they're in one of these nameless Euro- eastern european countries yeah yeah and yeah they're in the gulags and you know and they do the prison break to break them out it's you know flint and lady j and and mm. uh, snake eyes and scarlet basically mm. go rogue and and uh yeah, very cool stories very, yeah but the guy was a vietnam vet so i mean for him to write these type of stories and write wow. he basically just moved vietnam to eastern europe and then put a bit of a World War II slant on it. And, huh. That explains it, a lot, actually. And it wasn't the techno stuff. It wasn't the terrodrome. It was these human stories of guys trying to survive POW camps. The one issue that I remember that really kind of stuck with me was, um, I think it was called, like, Test Flight or something. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, I can't even remember the names, but it was, like, the... Um, it was like that. There were two um, two new characters, like or not new characters, but two characters who were being checked out on GI Joe on like the Joe's aircraft on one side and Cobra's aircraft on the other. Mm-hmm. So the Baroness was being checked out by like this like super like pilot Viper guy, um, and I think like I want to say it was Lady J, but I'm not sure. And she was being checked out on like the F-14 looking thing that the Joes have, right. and on this like test flight mission the two fighters come across each other. And it's like a 20-page... No, not 20-page, but like maybe like a 15-page dogfight. And all this cat and mouse... Now, did they happen to invert and do a vertical... Well, funny you should mention that, because there's definitely shades of Top Gun in there. Like, they they cat and mouse all of their missiles, and they make a big deal about each missile launch is lined up and, like, intentional and, like, very... It's a big deal when they launch. Um, and they run out of missiles, and then they finally like turn, face each other, and they just empty their like their little turret gun things on each other. And you see like and like the cockpits are getting ripped away, and you see like the fuselage getting holed. Wow! And then they cross each other, and it's a be- it's a full page spread of the two plane you the two planes in silhouette um, with the sun behind them crossing with a little cutaway in each corner in the upper left and lower right of the two pilots saluting each other. And they both fly on their way. Huh. And they pull and back the into the, the aircraft issue. carriers and the planes riddled. And... 
Yeah. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> it was and it it was just so filled. It was filled with character, and it was a well constructed. He did some like he did some really great, well. you know. And then towards the end, uh, you could see where either his passion had changed or his the editorial was mm. was changing, and he went away from that and it went to the more the techno and the you know they probably mandated early, like including more of the toys and whatnot yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to the techno team 2000 include these characters and what bats what's a bat battle android trooper interchangeable <laughs> arms lots of guns <laughs> the bats were the bats were very well done when he did them though <laughs> unlike you know in the in the cartoon where they're like generic villains that we can blow up. Yeah, we can actually shoot things now. With laser guns, because yeah. we don't use bullets. That look like M16s. Yes, everybody <laughs> had the same gun. Yeah. Continuing on with the comic book track. Um, here, I think this is going to be a comic book uh, episode. I like this. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I'm loving this. Um, Captain America. Hey, oh. oh, Hydra. Yes. Uh, okay. I do. For have... me, for me, this is just like how are we gonna sell more comic books? Yeah. Let's make one of our heroes bad. <laughs> what are we gonna do when everybody gets angry about it? Let's reboot. Let's reboot everything. They'll forget, and we'll make money. Well, <laughs> highly manipulative. And I did. Have, actually... you, read, have you read the issue? <laughs> yes, I actually bought the issue, and I actually signed up for the rest of the series. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, you know what? I think you're doing the right thing. Yeah, Honestly, because well, the I'm not reading this because I'm not spending money on comic books right now. Um, but <laughs> the, the writer is Nick them. Spencer. And the last thing I read by Nick Spencer was Superior Foes of Spider-Man. And that was pretty near perfect okay, for here's, a comic book. Here's, here's why I'm, I'm doing it. is I knew they were coming out with a new Captain America series. They've got Falcon Cap on one end and the Steve Rogers Captain America who I'm a big fan of and I went I'm, I just, I'm not going to buy another series I'm not going to buy another series but what happened was when they did the last Captain America series Ed Brubaker I was I'm not getting that series issue 1 came out issue 2 came out issue 3 came out Bucky's revealed they kill Red <laughs> Stall they do these and I went why am I not reading this series and I went to my comic book guy and said, please find me the first four issues. Uh, you know, just put them down. I'll buy them all. Just find them. And he got me back issues. Got me third cover variants, blah, blah, blah. And I went, I read this series and I read 50 some odd issues later. I'm going, this is still the greatest run. Brubaker's series. series was incredible. Brubaker's run was, was one of the best. He is the most at home doing like espionage, spy and crime. And Captain America let him do that. And this felt very close to that in that a lot of the same characters, some of the characters that were introduced even before Fighting Spirit and Jack Flag, mm. were introduced in previous runs that I'd actually, that I'd read. So I went, you're pulling on the heartstrings, you're pulling on that continuity, you're referring to stuff oh, that I've really <laughs> And then all of a sudden, you know, you see, and I knew it was coming because that's the reason I bought it. And you're like, I'm waiting for it. This is this gonna? Okay, they're setting the seeds. Does it work? I don't know. It, I'll, I'll wait. I'm gonna I'm hold beyond a one page. Yeah, you know, like a one panel. One panel. Hail Hydra. Two word. Yeah. Yeah. To, if it's Spencer, 
If it's Nick Spencer, there is a there is a story to tell there. Uh, I just I remember the week that the story broke. Nick got like mainstream news coverage, yeah. mm-hmm. which like, you know, if, Global Mail, Toronto Star, USA Today, Huffington Post. <laughs> yep. And if their objective was to get people to not pay attention to Rebirth over at DC, then the mission, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. One page, one panel, and I bet you that panel was supposed to say something else, and they're like, we're up against Rebirth, just do it. <laughs> what do you think will <laughs> really mess with them, Nick? Uh, and it, But the book itself leads to it. It isn't like it was a gimmicky, there is a thought-out plan that you see now. Yeah. And if I know Nick Spencer, it'll be a really good story. I'm hoping so, because uh, plopping down my money. Yeah. <laughs> 50 issues later, if I'm saying this story didn't really work. So if, you if you're still somebody... reading it 50 issues in and it's not good, then... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be... I, I'm one of these guys now that as I'm buying a book, and with Rebirth and all the new books, I went, I'm going to pick up the first couple, mm-hmm. see what I like and what I don't like. Drop the rest. But I'm not going to be... Uh, you know, I have to continue doing it. That that OCD of, of I need to collect all the issues. Because if I can just read the right combination of issues, I'll get the A plot. Yes. And yeah. then I'll know what's going on. And I've, and... I've stuck through that, and I'm just like, now I'm, I'm willing to drop a series and just go, I will find out about it later. There are other ways to, to kind of pick up and, and follow these characters. Wikipedia.com. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> Online. You know, there's so many different websites that'll be like... Yeah, this happened. Then you can you can always browse it afterwards, or yeah. go to the library and pick up the. The library's set. pretty good, actually. Oh yeah. yeah, you can get all the issues that yeah, could have paid money for. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, do I need to keep this? No, not really. Yeah, you know, twenty-one long boxes of comic books. That's a lot. Long boxes at fifty pounds a piece. At, at how many comics? Five thousand comics. Wow, that is impressive. Hmm. I wonder where I'd be if I hadn't purged out. I'd have had money. <laughs> Social life. <laughs> Probably more space in my spare room, and I wouldn't have had to move them. <laughs> had to rip open the floor, reinforce it all and everything. Pretty close. More uh, joists in the ceiling there, you know. But built a comic shelf just to hold all those long boxes. That's a lot of weight. It's like, you know, the guy that builds the, you know, builds the library. Yeah. And then when he puts the books in, you know, I didn't compensate for the books. <laughs> you know, they, there was always a myth about McMaster, uh, McMaster University, about that. Um, they said when they built the new library mills, yep. um, if you went up to it back then, before they built the student center and leveled all the ground around it, it's like mills seemed to be sitting at the bottom of this little crater thing. And the rumor was that when they built it, they hadn't accounted for the weight of the books. The new Everyone <laughs> Stadium. One of the problems they had was the footings didn't fit. And they said, we didn't account for the fans. You mean Tim Hortons Field? Everyone Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Skydome? Skydome, yes. Rogers Center? Rogers Center, yes. I don't know where... First I'm... Hamilton Place? What? Cops Coliseum? What? Uh, yes. So if the city of Hamilton would like to sponsor a podcast, <laughs> except Terry White. If Whitehead. the city of Hamilton had any money to sponsor a podcast... <laughs> oh, it makes me so mad. Sorry, there... I don't want to talk about this. No, we won't. But, uh, we... <laughs> the whole thing, the whole thing with the the LRT transit oh, funding oh, is we such. Were trying to explain that today to my in laws, and they're like, "Tell us about it." And we're like, "There's a pile of money. 
that, that is the, earmarked the for one product is about to give us. And our council and, and like two dudes on our council are gonna are gonna they're gonna Hamilton the deal. They're yes. gonna yeah. they're, that, not Hamilton that the a, musical. That Wait, is no. Does no this ability. apply to Hamilton the musical? Somewhere? Absolutely not. This is the reverse of Hamilton the musical. This is <laughs> Hamilton the city. And what Hamilton the city does is it takes a sure thing and finds a way to tear defeat from the jaws of victory. If we can, if we can <laughs> overthink every possible issue on city council, and it's the same two or three people all the time and they will just like we need to rethink this can we go back for another vote no you're not getting another vote take the money do with it it's a all right lrt is it a good idea it, a train those, from yeah, one side of the city that, to the yeah, other for those that don't know light rail transit so for guys it's that, like a streetcar except it has a priority lane yep. it moves pretty quickly it's not it doesn't it's not a bus, but it's not a train. It's no, like a bus train. It goes from one yeah. side of the city to McMaster yeah. University. And the main right? difference between it and a traditional streetcar, like the ones you have in Toronto, is they don't flow with traffic. Mm-hmm. Slow cars in front of it will not affect its passage. Mm-hmm. It will go. It's a street. It's a subway. Yeah, it has a dedicated. Yeah. L- it's a subway above ground. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, and um, it'll keep going. It'll go from one side. Personally, I probably would never use it because. It's, uh, it's, I'm on one side mm-hmm. of the, um, in a completely different area. You're not moving up and down but, that line. But yeah. For you guys, I mean, you know, in your area, you probably will use it. Go back and forth between the city. Yeah. Um, people from Mac, mm-hmm. they probably like. It'll be out. a great thing for students. It'll be a great thing. The thing that I see that it would be great for is people who live in like Stony Creek or just even down around McMaster or whatever, just to get downtown to get on the go train to then go work in Toronto which means more people are going to be coming to Hamilton to buy more houses to live in Hamilton where you could get a nice size home for about a third of the price that you could most in people Toronto are, most people are selling their places I guys that I used to work with in my old uh, mm-hmm. career are saying we're moving and if they do a east west one first and they see how successful it is then do a north south one that connects mountain to downtown and again oh the the beeline that they're talking about is not um, not terribly long it's like a mm-hmm. like a harbor front i think if i remember remembering it right mm-hmm. it's like a connection it's a north south connection from the harbor front to the main line yeah which is not super duper long mm-hmm. the escarpment were... seems to pose a real problem. That, I mean, for, if we can just make sure that it doesn't fall down on top of people yeah. driving, and it's that that's priority over trying to make sure. If we can... Whenever this conversation emerges in this city, be it on Facebook, in person, in council, the question becomes like, "Yeah, we're being offered money for this LRT, but does the LRT meet our needs?" And could that money be better used elsewhere? And the question is, certainly, we could find other things to do with a billion dollars. We're not being offered a billion dollars to do whatever we want. Yes. We're being offered this money to build rapid they're, they're transit. To, yeah. We are going to give you a train. Do you want the train? Can I have the money for the train? No. Well, how much is the train going to cost? Doesn't matter. Do you want the train? Well, I don't know. Where am I going to put the train? Because <laughs> if it's not an Ancaster, I say no. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I play with the train if I'm in Flamborough? No. Well... I don't know if I want the train. Take the friggin' train, put yeah. it down, take the money, because otherwise the train is going to Mississauga or it's going to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, well, I've London just... turned turned it down too, but then again, London's not as big as Hamilton. But 
And there's probably you know, Kitchener's how much broken ground. Yeah, like Kitchener Waterloo's already I'm building. To see what's going to happen. Yeah, and and you watch, you know, the economic impact. Well, it has. We need to carpet bomb that downtown core in certain areas. <laughs> I'm sorry. You go through, and there's there's so many just drug hangouts and everything else. The, the first thing to do is you start the revitalization. You have people that will live in the area. The developers will start to buy, and it's the only way that you can really rebuild. We did the same thing with that Bloomin' Stadium, and we got twisted around so many different ways that, that you know, again, snatching defeat out of the jaws of victory. Oh, I'm telling you, that that's my definition, man. The verb, to Hamilton, yes. to be, to... To snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. For a negative connotation, to snatch, yeah, victory from defeat. No, defeat from victory, yes. Yeah. But defeat to Hamilton, from victory. to turn something into a Tony Award winning musical. <laughs> 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 to take a relatively obscure historical figure. <laughs> Marry into week, a popular music style. <laughs> next yeah. week, we begin Hamilton the Podcast. Well, that, hey, there we go. <laughs> Sign me up for that one. I can, I can get plan on. See, see we can jack up our listenership just on the brand confusion alone. <laughs> Are you talking about the musical? I didn't hear that. In the... Hey, but it's called riding the coattails. Yes. I would gladly do that. How many other people will? I will sell Every out. episode is just snaps. Like, through the whole... And somewhere in Guelph right now, Eric is like, No! <laughs> So long as they don't sing. So long as they don't sing. <laughs> so, um, moving right along. Uh, let's see what else we've uh, got here. Oh, yeah. Hamilton the Musical. Uh, what is uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda about to do, Spears? He's oh. about to do something with Mary Poppins Returns? Oh, yeah. Oh, that is what he's about to do. He's co-starring <laughs> with Emily Blunt in uh, Mary Poppins Returns. Now, I... Don't know that he's like writing or right. creatively involved outside of being an actor, but man, Disney rolls up and is like, "Be in our next Broadway show." Done. So, yeah. Yeah. You pretty much, you know, you like shake a hand and say yes. Yeah. So for the run of that, he's basically like he's off the. He's kind of done with Hamilton. Yeah, because doesn't he set a he set his end date, didn't he? He. Yes, I think so. Uh, I don't have it in front okay, of me, but okay. I'll ask. It's, it's coming, and then uh, in the Heights got uh, got the green light from the Weinstein Company. Is yep, there. Uh, that's Lin Manuel Miranda's first um, Tony his Award. first Tony Award winning <laughs> musical, where he he fictionalizes him growing up in the Heights, where he lives. I mean, yeah. Eric, he would know, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> So, good news for him. Yeah. Disney's like next is... lead actor in a Broadway play and his first play being picked up for adaptation. Yeah. That's... It kind of, I wish, I don't know why they're not doing Hamilton right away. Um, like, I understand. Because it's still too big. I guess, but I kind of feel like strike while the iron's hot. Probably yeah. there's deals being made in the, in, in the backgrounds. It's just, again, they want to, you don't want to put the movie out while the play is still going strong. Yeah. Yeah. Give the play some time because you might butcher some of that audience. I guess. Yeah, because like, look at. I just want to see it so bad. But like, look at how long it took for Les Mis to get a a musical, a musical movie adaptation. Like you got like Les Misérables before. With, oh my uh, god! I'm gonna be in a Liam walker. Neeson. Yeah. So um, that was fun though. There were some good moments yeah. in there, but it it always it bugged me that they 
didn't use the music. Then it occurred to me that they didn't pay for Le Miserable the play. They were yeah. adapting Victor Hugo's novel, which is practically public domain. Yeah. I love public domain. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Phantom of the Opera, did we ever see, like, outside of, like, a horror adaptation of that, have we ever seen a movie adaptation of the musical? No. Not the more. Cats, I think, is just about to get a movie adaptation, isn't it? Huh. So we'll probably be waiting for a very long time. Man. Broadway plays, you know, a very few. We're not really in the realm of the musical. Very few musicals make money, and that's, you know, I bet you there's somebody saying yes, we can do it. But they also said we'll probably wait to see what happens mm-hmm. with Les Mis. And yeah, we'll well, I made a ton of money in. though, and got Oscar nods, and didn't make a ton of money. No, no, Ugh. you got some Oscar nods, but didn't win any Oscars. They got that big scene at the Oscars where they all sang, but didn't did they, win any did, Oscar, they huh? did they pay yeah. the, did they pay the bills and could they franchise it? Yeah, you know, and, and they're looking <laughs> at. Just seeing what is this your tent pole? I want to see the Jean Valjean solo film <laughs> right now. And, you know, didn't you know, he die? What else are we going to do? Let's go back to those old movies and remake them. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the on the Universal horror? Um, I think, horror franchise now. I think it's pretty cool. It's, you know, you're at least they're they're looking at the properties that they own and said we don't have to buy anything. We've got the properties. We know the mummy worked. Let's remake yeah. the mummy. Huh. <laughs> now let's put Tom Cruise into it. And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, why? I'll wait and see. Uh, I mean, it sounds why? like it could be. You know, five foot tall mummy is not intimidating. It's. I would have liked to see. Are you more. a little short for a creature of the undead? <laughs> uh, uh, Scientology. Where's uh. Brendan Fraser? <laughs> yeah, because they, like they've got the. Isn't Brendan Fraser like eight feet tall? That would be a great matchup. <laughs> Versus Tom Cruise. Be like Tyrion Lannister <laughs> in the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I step on you. No, well, uh, I mean, everybody's he, looking. But even if you take a look, Hanna Barbera is is recalculating, rebuilding their universe. Yeah, Mattel is building their universe. There was the big announcement the other day that uh, um, Transformers—they're building their joint universe. That's fun. That yeah. is fun. Um, a lot of uh, Hasbro's properties are in monthly comics by IDW. Mm-hmm. Have been for a while. Their Transformers comics are amazing, like really, really good. Um, so now they're, but up until now, all of IDW's crossovers have been in this weird place where it's like all of these separate franchises separately dealing with this one threat, kind of. Like you were allowed to have like the Ghostbusters and the Transformers and G.I. Joe all fighting zombies, for example, but you could never, you couldn't have them fight together, mm-hmm. except in a few really stilted kind of moments at the beginning and end. Mm-hmm. Um, of the series, now that they're everyone's going to Marvel Land, now <laughs> Sony's finally got their head on straight. Sony uh, Hasbro's finally Hasbro's. given the go ahead to like, nope, <laughs> you know, nope, we want that, please. Well, Hanna Barbera, which is run kind of by Warner's, but is kind of an, an offshoot, they're redesigning their things and they're doing Johnny Quest meets Space Ghost meets all these other. And I had to look yeah. up a few of them. I'm going, I can't I remember them, but I don't remember them. Johnny Quest was the one I re- always remembered. Yeah, it was, yeah. but Johnny Quest meets the Space Ghost, and now you've got the new Scooby-Doo. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Scooby Apocalypse. Which kind of <laughs> looks 
looks interesting, but you know, Jim Lee designs, man. Jim Lee designs. He makes, <laughs> he makes, a, he makes a very nice looking book. But, uh, I don't know, man. Some of it's really over the top. All right, like his his, sha- his hipster shaggy design is yeah. one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Speaking of reboots, if you were to go back, you know, any show, and we were talking about some old shows, you know, and and things that they're remaking, what property as a kid that you watched would you like to see rebooted? Or um, could you see rebooted? I can tell you right now because I've started watching a little bit of um, Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back and get Battle of the Planets because I know they've already kind of like done that a little bit, but I want to see a proper. Reboot. I want to see it kind of like done where these are like um, genetically engineered kids that are being trained as like a like a special like a special force uh, to deal with like this alien threat. And I think it could be really good if you kind of pull in a little bit of teen angst into that too. Ender's Game meets Avengers. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very much. Th- that would be my first one. Right Battle of the Planet. Great choice. Hmm. That's hard. If I was going to be true to my middle school self, I would say Robotech. Robotech. I love oh, I that show, but I've, I've discussed at length and volume all the, <laughs> all the problems the with adapting that show. Not even from a rights perspective, but just... Just concept. The, the, yeah... The, that would be a concept show for sure. Yeah, okay. the and for a show that already has planes that turn into giant robots, to have that resolve with Singing. with pop songs paralyze the enemy, and that be the finale. Like your finale isn't big robots fighting; it's girl sings. End of the world. End of the world. <laughs> like, Bacteria kills the aliens. Oh, uh, it, it, it's. So I'm going to be a little bit more pragmatic about it and sidestep a little bit and say uh, Battletech. Okay, oh, cool. okay. Battletech was a really rough sort of mixing of ideas and possibly some mecha designs a lot uh, from Robotech or Macross, I suppose, with the sorts of ideas behind Warhammer and mm-hmm. Warhammer 40K where you have this far future where humanity is spread out um, into these different star systems. And it's been so many years that different brand, like different branches of settlers who've settled in different places in the universe have almost evolved differently. Um, where not necessarily physically, but socially, mm-hmm. you have disparate groups who are like very like practically unrecognizable to each other. And when you have one group encounter the other, it's it's war. Mm-hmm. And war is fought in 80-foot-tall mechanized robots. <laughs> there was never the transforming angle. No, um, it was just battle. But it was just like yeah. tanks with legs. The, um, yeah. the old PC game Mech Warrior really captured game. it. Mm-hmm. Like, you really got the feeling of, in our... The graphics are laughably primitive now. Yeah, but back, back in the day, that was yeah, it, fun. We didn't yeah. see that stuff before. You really had the sense of being like in this towering, nigh-invincible machine, mm-hmm. except it's very ponderously slow, maneuverability is difficult, mm-hmm. and there, there's just a whole jillion... The practicalities it's, of running that machine yeah. are very difficult <laughs> yeah. and interesting. Combined with the really... I don't know, I guess the... I mean, if if you've never read or played Warhammer, I feel like the closest parallel is something like Dune, 
but you have that like that depth of lore and that kind mm-hmm. of like it was very almost like tri like not tribal but yeah. like clan like they were referred clans. to as clans yeah, yeah. they call like and each each clan had different like kind like of a, different subsects and they all and, yeah so a clash of clans. clans if you <laughs> like some were like, almost like a monarchy don't and murder others, me others were like almost like like almost like communistic in a way and like they yeah. all had like their different there was there were philosophy behind yeah. each each of the factions mm-hmm. and although the game was very much like make the best wing of big robots that you can and have them shoot mm-hmm. um the the philosophy and the lore and the bleakness of the environment was really interesting mm-hmm. and i i don't know i think mad max with big robots um, could be a cool movie. <laughs> James, what, about you? what would you What would you go back to? Thundar the Barbarian. Oh, Hanna Barbera. That? Hanna Barbera. I happened to follow, I came across this on YouTube not too long ago, and I started watching. And it, you know, it started with remember the trailer for or the opening scene for, and they'd always tell you the, and it was post apocalyptic nineteen eighty four. And what happens was basically uh, a comet comes through and it changes the atmosphere and it splits the moon. And a hundred years later, man's slowly starting to come up and it's a mix of science and technology. Yeah, yeah. And some of the scenes, though, as Thundar is this barbarian, a.k.a. Conan, and and he meets up with this princess that has some mystical powers and he's got a sidekick running buddy that is this giant, uh, doesn't non vocalizing, very beast hairy, very big. And wasn't there like a lightning scre- sword of some kind? The sun sword that was on his that looks very much like what would have been happening around that era. A more um, elegant weapon from a civil. <laughs> <laughs> and and as he pulls out that weapon, but the and I started laughing because the big. I remember the characters. I remember watching it as a kid. But I didn't get the parallels until there's a scene with the 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 big beast and uh, the sidekick, and he's in a in a spaceship and he's kicking the seats. And I went, they just stole this. They basically painted over top of Star Wars. Hmm. And you've got your Chewbacca character, and, and I thought, you know, this this is something that could work, and you could go back, you know, maybe not 1984, but it's still it yeah, was, the it idea was fun. that there's this catastrophe and we go backwards. But these are you know, to come forward, yeah. As a Hanna Barbera cartoon from nineteen, you know, that basically says mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty four, kids, your world is going to die. Yeah, but it's nineteen eighty six. It was nineteen eighty. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a second one out there because um, I started watching it again, uh, just piecemeal, just to see kind of like is this gonna be appropriate viewing for my children to maybe act as a gateway into gaming? Um, Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon. Oh. Great. Great. Where the show. kids go on like the ride and they actually get thrown into the D and D realm and they have to kind of Ugh. the five headed dragon. <laughs> yeah, Tiamat. Yeah. That was that was a great series. That was fun. I saw a piece of painted artwork um up on Facebook the other day, reimagining all of those characters as like hyper realistic uh like practically photorealistic uh forms. Nice. And it, it looks It was sellable. well ahead of its time and I don't think it got the appreciation that it should have. Yeah. The, the whole though like... where people from the real world pulled into a fantasy world, like that shut me off it pretty much mm. right away. 
Really? So would you go just like, this is the realm, these are the characters, let's I, skip I, that part? I don't just... think... I understand that you, from the point of... Especially from the point of view of a Saturday morning cartoon writer, you need a point of view character. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can have the whole party be point of view characters. But in a way, it makes the world that they're pulled into seem less real. Mm. Or, like, consequence-free. You know, I didn't watch it until... Like much, much later. I didn't watch it while it while it was on. Um, See, I w- and and I tend to disagree a little bit, you know, respectfully, is because you caught all those various, the wizard, the the barbarian, the knight, blah blah yeah, blah. Each one falling into one of the player character the player classes. Yeah. And then, if you if it went done right, I mean, there were consequences. You weren't getting home, and you lived in this fantasy world yeah and but i think you can do that inside the fantasy world without having to introduce characters from the real world because i think what it amounts to is while you're trying to build up the lore and the reality of your fantasy world you get kids quipping about like whoa this would be so much better if i could listen to my walkman or like (laughs) true okay and I, you know, you could get there is some fish out of water laughs that you can get from that sure and if I'm a cartoon writer and I've never played Dungeons and Dragons and someone just explained to me what it was, I can see how you would arrive at that idea. Because mm-hmm. that's functionally what the game is doing. You as a player, you know, if you're those kids from the the garage in E.T. and you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're you're the you being transported in a way to another right. world through an avatar. See, my only exposure to Dungeons and Dragons outside of going into a comic shop and, and getting ticked off because they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and, and they're sitting in front of the boxes of books that I'm trying to get to. Uh, they're more of a nuisance. But is is uh, Big Bang Theory. And you watch them playing D&D on, you know, in, in the game or mm-hmm. in, in the show. And they, you know, they're doing the Christmas episode and this version or that version. And so for me, it was like, well, it's just, whatever pop culture references they want to throw in or however they want to decide the game. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never actually seen or, or played the game, so I don't know if that's even remotely true or if that's just something that they came up with for the show. All I got to do, all I got to say is uh, YouTube, uh, Vin Diesel, Dungeons & Dragons. That's all I got to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good one. It's really funny. Yeah, it's it's about 20 minutes long, but dude rolls. <laughs> Dude rolls well. <laughs> um, I guess, as someone who played and got into Dungeons and Dragons more in the '90s than in the '80s, the worlds that they created were strong enough and interesting enough that having to piggyback in characters from the real world, the real world, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is, I think, a misstep. Mm-hmm. All right, well, Clash of Clans, or, or, or what's the new one, the uh, World of Warcraft? Oh, the big movie yeah. that's coming out. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? I've read some reviews that seem to confirm my greatest fears. Um, Would you pop down your 12 bucks to go see it? Uh, <laughs> or would you wait for it to illegally be downloaded I'm, on some Android box? I'm just saying, any world regardless of its depth of lore 
that has big fuzzy panda bears as one of their anchor races now. <laughs> Which we've talked about at length. <laughs> I, I just have a hard time taking it seriously. If you had asked me this question back in like 2005 or 2006, when WoW was just starting up and I was hot off playing Warcraft 3, like, I would have said yes. Absolutely. But Warcraft... Warcraft as a franchise was always, at least lore-wise or in terms of the world, it was always kind of derivative of other fantasy genres. Mm. There's a lot of Tolkien, a lot of a lot of Dungeons and Dragons worlds, and a lot of a lot of TV and movie fantasy that's kind of built into it. That the games knowingly and chucklingly um, homage and. You know, they have, they have a bit of fun with, as you can in a game. If you try to present any part of the Warcraft story perfectly straight-faced, I think you're in trouble. Hmm. Because, and no, uh, no disrespect to the fine people at Blizzard who make <laughs> incredible games, but the narrative doesn't support it. And the narrative was never what made Warcraft an interesting or fun game to play. That's where it's critically different from Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Because, and I mean, it's, you know, in a weird way, Dungeons and Dragons was as much a medium as it was a game. Like, there were different, by the time I started playing in the 90s, there were various settings for various moods, and each one would present differently. Um, <laughs> you had something like Forgotten Realms, is a li- you can have a little bit more, like, Big Bang Theory can't be fun with it, because although it's epic fantasy... It's very broad, it's very... It's intentionally generic. And that's partly what accounts for its enduring success. Yeah. Um, You've got something like Greyhawk, which was very (laughs) Conan-inspired. Very, like... You know, we haven't even really got this full body armor thing down yet. um, Mm -hmm. Kind of world. And they get Ravenloft in there. Which is your horror setting. (laughs) Where if you're you're a fan of the old monster movies, that's your setting. Yeah. And, like, the tone in Ravenloft was... It was a place where characters could go crazy from tr- from being around too much bad stuff for too long. There was actually a mechanic to simulate PTSD mm-hmm. for characters. Um, it intentionally did things like take characters that detect good and evil and skew those powers so they didn't work right anymore. So the characters who made their whole nut out of being like, I know where to point my sword suddenly don't know where to point their swords. Yeah. It's a world where, that you can't hack and slash your way out of. Because as soon as your blood is going up, and you're chopping people to, to bits, you're doing exactly what the dark powers want you mm-hmm. to do. And, mm-hmm. that, and when you try to export that mentality into somewhere like Forgotten Realms, it all falls down. Because as soon as there's guilt associated with cutting up them dark elves, you can't play Forgotten Realms anymore. <laughs> So, I guess what I'm saying is if you want to reboot Dungeons and Dragons, you need to pick your brand. And it doesn't sound like you're going to see World of Warcraft. <laughs> I I almost want to, but I have a very limited window in which to see movies and X-Men is ahead of it. Yeah, good call. Um speaking of movies, I think this will be our last one. We'll wrap it up with this one because you mentioned being scared to death. I'm cautiously optimistic still. Rogue One. Um, ah, the big one. Yeah. The big one. Um, 
rumors that 40% of it is about to be reshot because it's just too dark and just doesn't fit in properly with the tone of those other Star Wars movies, I guess. And Which surprises the me that brand. they would wait this long to actually do. And, you know, with these type of movies, there's always the planned mm-hmm. reshoot. But I've yeah, never just like heard little pickups here and there. But yeah, like when they're. When like almost like half of your movie is just. Well, we need to fix that. That's disappointing. Because the last trailer I saw looked really, really good. I want to see that movie very much. Yeah, it's Star Wars meets Magnificent Seven. And. That's the way. Like that's what I'm expecting going into this. And if I don't, if I get anything less than that, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be disappointed. <laughs> well, I think they're also, you know, they're saying we need a little bit, of, we need more Star Wars in it. And I can see that point. You know, if, if everything that I've read is, they need to lighten it up and add some more. Because Deadpool sure did lighten up an R rating. Well, it did. He did. <laughs> he, he did. Yeah. But. Star Wars ain't Deadpool. Well, I think I'm just trying to imagine is, Deadpool in a Star Wars movie now. But I think what they were looking for is like the, the relationship. Jimmy Chang is made out of what do you call this big hairy thing over here? A bantha? Well, tastes good to me. <laughs> they go with like the, the relationship between Ray and Finn. Mm-hmm. You know, you add a little bit more banter. Star Wars has been known for banter. That's what didn't exist in the first uh, prequels. Is that there was no heart and there was no lightness to it. Maybe there was too much lightness. You mean those stilted and wooden love scenes where Mannequin was like I want to touch you but I can't. Simon, a Jedi. It's like sand. (laughs) It gets everywhere. Uh, This dialogue that will haunt us for... I I would give money to to see some of the outtakes from that scene. I wonder if you could cut a better movie together, but then no. People have. Yeah, yeah. but still, why was 40% of that movie not reshot? Because it was George Lucas' movie, and he could do whatever he wanted. This is Disney, and Disney's saying, we're going to put this on Netflix, and we've got to pay money for it. (laughs) Uh, I guess, but why, like, if there was such a big tonal problem... Why did it take until now to notice it? Mm-hmm. There was an interesting article that I read that said Christopher McQuarrie, um, who done, uh, you know, who's, who's done some rewrites on the movie, was actually writing adjustments to the original screenplay as they were shooting. Now, again, why would you do this? Why would you not? There, you know, it was almost like he said, "Let me have a crack at it." And as he was handing papers in, somebody said, "These are great." Hand them to the director. The director's going. All right, I'll shoot this stuff. But when he got it, it was like anything. If you're not doing it and you don't know the entire story mm-hmm. and you're shooting scene, scene, scene over six to eight months or longer, he came back and went, but now the pieces, the pages don't go back together yeah. correctly. And they're going, but the book is really, really good. But individually, the movie scenes aren't reflected there. Mm. And maybe they give it a chance to go back and go here's the book now with those pages maybe we just need to smooth out the pages and and give the actors a chance to kind of blend a little bit more of that dialogue or, or the scenes that were missing that maybe didn't get shot you know I've also read that that wasn't true but mm-hmm. that, that, that to me makes more sense where if you're going we know yeah, that like, there's something here how did they miss this yeah like, it could be until and it coming from the old industry I mean 
I, I worked with films where filmmakers didn't know what they had until they actually had it in the can. And, right. and, and they would edit. Now, when technology changed, guys would be shooting a scene and know that as the camera was, the footage was coming off the camera, they'd put it into the computer and they were actually cutting the scenes and you'd had a scene essentially cut together, not fine-tuned, but you knew the bare structure of it mm-hmm. within a day. Yeah. Now, with, remember, these guys are still, still shooting film. Mm-hmm. So they're shooting the film, they're getting the film processed, it's coming back. It's old school. It's the way that most people are not making movies these days. Right. And I could see where the director is so busy doing this that he hasn't had a chance to see what the editors put together. Right. And the editor's just looking at the page that's been presented to him saying, cut it all together, verbatim, here's the scenes, let's, you know, without special effects. And these are big special effects movies. So you, you're looking at, as remember that old movie that I showed you, mm-hmm. with which all green screen, and you're going... I don't know if I have anything that actually works here. I've got half a screen and people yeah. talking to green. Yeah. You know, characters have got to be added. and So when they start putting all this stuff in and start seeing the special effects, maybe Disney's going, yeah, you know what, it looks great, but, man, this is bleak. Well, you were telling me that you heard something about one scene with Darth Vader versus, a, you know, the Rebel Alliance, and it just... It sounds amazing. Yeah. But I think if you're going to do that, you need to lighten something else up later on because if that's going to be your linchpin movie, it's saving Private Ryan without any, you know, redemption at the end. <laughs> if your entire movie is the invasion of Normandy, yet by the end of that scene, you're exhausted. Yeah. And I think what they don't want is they don't want to wear out. This is They're looking long-term on this, and they're going, yeah. we need it to be fun. We can't have... This this epic. This is not the Dirty Dozen. This is not. You're not making Blade Runner. Here. You're, you're not making, making Star yeah, Wars. Thank you. Yeah, Blade, exactly. You can do sci-fi. And remember, they're bringing in a lot of different directors, a lot of different ver- versions. Rain Johnson, who who did Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, is correct me if I'm wrong. He's the one that's directing this next one. Yeah. Yeah. They just he just wrapped the photography in uh, Ireland, I think. Yeah. So. So, yeah. I mean, he's going to do a different movie. Now, the mm-hmm. person that's doing, um, doing, doing, so he was working under a script that's already been, somebody thought out that story. But these individual movies, mm-hmm. they're using these different sci fi directors. And the guy that, that did this one did Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I saw Godzilla. I wasn't blown away by it. It was, it, it was, a, it was a, not a fun movie. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's bringing that kind of sensibility to Star Wars. You need somebody that's going to follow that star, make it dark, make it make it moody, but you need to have a little bit of that Star Wars kick. Yeah, it. yeah. There's gotta, there's gotta be. It's gotta be fun. It's gotta have heart. But at the same time, too, you know, like I think you even, I hope like they you are. even like said it to me. It's like we don't want them to go DC. No, <laughs> yeah, this is not like slaughter the characters and his bloodbath. Do you Wookies bleed? <laughs> you will. You, you have to play Luke Skywalker's them. underwater holding his breath for hours. <laughs> We're doing, you know, you got to do, you know, uh, have some of, some of those rules. I don't want to go there. You got to have some of those rules. You, you, you don't want to have. We're not going hey, to keeps apocalypse. having horrible dreams about bad things that are going to happen. There's just a great big imperial logo, like, cut into the ground of 
<laughs> I don't know, Alderan, I guess. <laughs> Too soon. <sighs> like a million voices cried out and then were silenced. Princess Leia shows up and is like, Is she with you? I thought she was with you. <laughs> Uh, but no, it'll be it'll be. Darth Vader is a cave troll. <laughs> it was a scientific experiment. Anakin actually did die. Uh, they just genetically modified him with another alien, uh, who then is who then becomes a dog, a dog with a spear. You got to go back and listen to last week's podcast. That's why. <laughs> well, I got to go back and do my research. Now, uh, it, it'll be the movie's due out what December sixteenth. Mm-hmm. They're doing reshoots now. That's gonna it's be. It's gonna, gonna be, be tight. tight. You you're not doing a lot of VFX or a lot of that. That it's stuff that they know that they've already had to get mm-hmm. because by the time they have to get this turned around, I know the guys that are working on it. It is going to be so tight to 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 make that movie finish yeah, up. It's going to be. It's going to be. Yeah. Forty percent is. I think forty percent of a movie that took them a year to to make. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably a stretch. Yeah, which makes me excited for the R-rated version that they're going to release <laughs> after this. Well, they do three hours <laughs> with Batman, Superman. You see the the R-rated international version. They did the trailer uh, the other day. I don't. And and the review was from the from the DP. His his line was, "Those that liked it will probably still like it. Those that didn't, not going to change your opinion." <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. That's what you want to hear when you're just with the guy that helped make the movie, who's surprisingly not doing the Justice League movie next. Huh. Shocking! Shocking! Yes. Jeremy Irons is taking some pot shots at it too. Well, Jeremy Irons can you know it, it was muddled. It was a muddled mess. Yes. But he's got a three-picture contract, and they're like, I can say whatever I want. You still want me. I'm I'm the best Alfred since Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what does everybody else think? Do you think that Star Wars Rogue One is going to be a disaster waiting to happen? Do you think that, uh, you know, that Netflix and Disney have... Uh, have uh, sealed the deal for uh, ever here. Comics going crazy. We want to know. We want to know what your thoughts are. Spears, what are your thoughts? Wrap it up. Final thoughts. I'm putting them on the spot here. James, putting them uh, on the spot here. Disney's going to be releasing movies on Netflix? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Hail Hydra? I don't know. But anyway, so if you have any comments, questions... So one of my favorite memes going around the internet right now is the, the Hail Hydra panel, yes. but yes. with different characters superimposed into it. Captain Canuck saying, I'm not saying thank you. I'm not, no, I'm not sorry. sorry. I'm not yeah. sorry, yes. <laughs> and then I had to like explain Jimmy to people... <laughs> I had to explain to people who Captain Canuck was. Yep. Yep. Uh, was there a Wolverine one? I felt that there was a Wolverine one. Um, not oh, that I missed it. Uh, no, you and I, I never had... smoke cigars. <laughs> Spears, you and I had that going oh, back and yeah, forth yeah. with the Canadian the, um, superheroes. Because some, someone asked if it was the dude from Alpha Flight, and yeah. I can see how someone could make that mistake because they both have the red and white maple leaf uh, pattern, and they both have a distinct, like yeah. over-the-top mask style with the two Batman-esque eyes yeah. and the mouth cut out. But I, I was still, I was like, yeah, 
I had to, I had to call him a commie. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they all look the same, and then you posted the picture of Wolverine. I'm like, fair enough. Nope. <laughs> so, if you have a favorite uh, Hail Hydra meme that you want to share with us, please share it with us on our Facebook page. Or tickets to the Tragically Hip. Yeah, if you've got tickets to the Tragically Hip. <laughs> the Tragically Hip, hip would like to sponsor a podcast in the form of tickets. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, we are reachable on our Facebook page at, at facebook.com backslash geeks with kids podcast. I believe. Or you can reach us at uh, Twitter at uh, at geeks with kids CN. CN? Yeah. Geeks with kids CN. And uh, you can always email us at uh, podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And for Geeks with Kids, I'm Aaron. I'm James. Spears. And we're out. That's right, I have to stop it.